Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's time for the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on Ball Quest. Thank you, Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast. I am Eric Kane with Brent Hubs, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis. As always, big thank you to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. Exterior Home Solutions is East Tennessee's first choice in roofing. Use your trusted local source for your exterior home renovations today by giving a call for a free estimate at 865-524-5888 or online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Got a full bank of questions on this week, a massive week. Tennessee's going to be on the road at Missouri. We continue to preview that, but now we hit the mailbag. We will start with Doolittle Vol. What is the most likely bold destination for Tennessee at 8 and 4, 9 and 3, 10 and 2? Something we've been discussing a little bit this week, Brent, uh, you know, out in the hallways over there at the complex. Well, I think it depends on what happens around Tennessee, not just what Tennessee does, but I think it's a, you know, how many get in the playoff? How many get in New Year's Six? Where's Ole Miss at? Um, you know, Tennessee's attractive. There's no question about that. If they get to nine wins, are they, are they assured a, a citrus bowl spot? You would on the front end probably think that, but again, I think it just depends on how the rest of the league kind of plays out and what the playoff situation looks like right now. I mean, who's in, who's out, how many get in and, and how many get in the new, in the new year six. See, I think if they can win this weekend and, and lock in nine, because I mean, we're all just chalking at the Vanderbilt game, right? Um, then I think that they're at Florida no matter what. 
because that means they're going to have a head to head over Missouri, who's another comparable team. Um, you know, a lot of those West teams don't ship to Florida a ton. Um, and again, Hubs is right. You know what? You know, last year they had, you know, two teams in the playoff, or one team in the playoff, two teams in the New Year Six. Other years they've had two teams in the playoff, one team in the New Year Six. But they've always kind of had that three. Do they get three this year? Because I mean, it is a down team or a down year in the conference. And you look at like you know the Pac-12. You know, you know, do they get two this year? You know, you know versus one. What about you know? The Big Ten, you know, I mean, like, you know, because Penn State's going to keep winning, you know, what does that look like, you know, as far as like Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, do they get three in the the New Year Six slash playoff? Um, you know, I think a lot of that will determine kind of how this thing goes. The good news is, is the ACC is kind of, you know, going to probably just have one with Florida State. I think that helps the SEC get back to potentially having three again. Nashville 615 says the Vols don't have a wide receiver in the top 10 in the SEC in receiving yards. Am I wrong to say that Tennessee has a bunch of just average guys at wide receiver? How do they approach fixing that in the offseason? He says it knows the quarterback play could be better under Nico next year as well. Rob, you want to take a stab at that? I mean, I don't think they have any elite guys at wide receiver. I mean, I don't I don't think they're, you know, man, I think the young guys like, you know, Caleb Webb and, and Chaz Nimrod, you know, have potential. You know, Dante Thornton is not what we thought he was, and I, for I guess for my money, if I if I was going to say long term the best guy on the, on the out there, I would take Squirrel. But you know, can can you have a go to guy that that's his size? I guess would be my question about Squirrel. Can you know if if you're going to have somebody that you know really carries your pass again? Can it be somebody? That, I'm not saying it can't. I'm saying it would be unusual. But you know, I don't think he's really there yet, and I, I just don't. You know, you look at there, there's not a Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman out there right now, and that that's not an. I mean, you're talking about two two NFL guys. I mean, they're just not. Brew probably was was close to that level, but um, you know, I just I would just say they're there's not as talented there as they have been. I mean, I don't think they're being poorly coached or underachieving necessarily. I mean, I, I guess maybe you could say they're underachieving, but I don't think there's a lot of guys out there that aren't living up their talent aside from Dante Thornton, and is that you know, a fit thing is that, you know, him just, you know, not finding his niche yet. Well, I think when, and Rob, you had this stat, I'm going to hang it on. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to hang on it for a while. When, when you're averaging, you know, six yards per attempt in, in the passing game, it, it's hard to put somebody atop the leaderboard in receiving. Now the last couple of games, Tennessee start to stretch the field a little bit more that would get some of those numbers up. But um, early on in this passing game, it was sideways. You, you weren't throwing, you still haven't thrown for 300 yards. Uh, at the quarterback position, you know, you're just not as explosive as you were a, a year ago. Is that all the receivers? Is that Joe? Is that play calling? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, is kind of where that is in, in my opinion. So we'll see what they do the, the next couple of weeks here and how it gets going that way. And then how explosive do they become next year at the receivers at, at in the passing game, not just at the receiver spot. I miss Denarius Moore. What is the heart of the interior D-line's inability to generate pressure right now? Is it technique, effort, superior interior offensive line, just bad luck? Of course, that would be some holding calls. Seems like uh, they are the key to the pass rush. Austin, that's something we've talked about a a lot this week, and it's been there. I mean, earlier in the season, you were getting good push from Omar Norman Lott, Amari Thomas, Bryce Neeson, some of those guys. Uh, But here lately, in terms of the, the whole pass rush, 
uh, since really the first half against Alabama, it's not been as as relevant that it has been so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I think teams are doing a lot of max protect, and, and you know, I think that there's been plenty of holding that just has went uncalled. So, um, you know, I, I think that you know when you look at it, you know, it, it's a couple of different factors, but you know. You know, the poster's right. Like, they're the key because when Tennessee's pass rush gets home or affects the play, Tennessee's secondary is all of a sudden not too bad. <laughs> the quarterback has all day to throw. You know, any even a phenomenal secondary can only hold up so long. So, um, you know, the pass rush, you know, the interior, um, the edges, all those will be really, really important uh, really the next two weeks. But specifically this week in a game that, you know, Tennessee has a, a real chance to go on the road and win. 007 Vol says Joe has been clicking the past few weeks. Was there a turning point? Was there maybe uh, an offensive adjustment to, to better suit him? Brent, I, I think obviously we talk about Joe in the run game and that kind of, you know, got him going the more they ran him. I think the, at halftime of the A&M game or whatever game it was, I think somebody got at him and said, you do run, use your body. But the fact that they're drawing up some plays for him, early in the football game. I think that's something, but yeah, Joe's Joe is clicking right now. He's playing efficient. He's being accurate with the football. He's throwing off platform. This is good, Joe Milton. And uh, that's something you didn't see a lot earlier in the season. And something we've also mentioned, those receivers have gotten better too. Well, I mean, look, I think Rob, I think running and getting hit certainly helps him kind of get going and gets his, gets his mind right, if you will. But you've heard multiple people talk about it. And even Joe's kind of hinted at it a little bit. Just the, you know, better preparation. The, you know, the more, not just more hours, but but preparing better to play and and managing and understanding the game plan better. I mean, I think Joe had a decision to make coming out of Texas A and M. You know, when you're fifty percent, you throw for a hundred yards. You're you're opening yourself up for whether or not you're going to be the guy. You're not going to be the guy. And Rob, to his credit, I think he put his head down and probably went to work. Um, cleaned up some things and it showed up the last three weeks. Now what show up the rest of the rest of the way, we'll have to go see, but he's clearly looked like a total different quarterback, not just with his runs, but I think just in the way that he's played the football game and and all facets of it, he looks different since A&M. Yeah. I mean, I can't say, I I can't say enough good things about him because coming out of A&M, I couldn't say enough bad things about him. And so I want to be sure to give, I mean, seriously, I mean, I want to be sure to give I mean, I want to be sure to give credit, you know, for the kid, you know, turning it around because I, I, I would have never seen this coming, one hundred percent. Just did not after that AM game, I didn't think the guy that we saw play quarterback the last two weeks was in there. I mean, I just, I mean, it's the difference has been dramatic, and you know, I give him credit. I, I give Coach Heifel credit. I mean, you're talking about accuracy, decision making, pushing the ball down the field. Um, you know, not no no interceptions the last two weeks. You know, he had a turnover in Alabama, but that was, you know, a blindside strip sack, not an interception uh, after he'd thrown one of his first three SEC games, at least one. And, I mean, I give credit to him. And I, and I have to think, you know, I don't, I don't know this. I, I got to think Josh ha- had a hand in it, too, you know, coming out of the A&M game. Just, you know, how just indecisive and unconfident he looked. I, I have to think the head coach, you know, played a role in it. I, I don't know what it was. and. I'm, I'm speculating a little bit, but I, I got to think that there was some kind of a conversation there that was pretty deep. Well, and it feels a little Crompton, Crompton-esque from, from the lane year, to be honest with you, kind of just kind of a mid-year kind of aha type deal like, like Jonathan had. I think the other thing, too, is he probably played a couple of teams AP. 
and Eric, that that Josh has had good success moving the ball against. Um, and, and that includes Alabama, you know, for all the people that are the Art Browse offense doesn't work against Nick Saban. Well, I mean, th- th- this guy's put up a bunch of yards against Nick Saban, Josh Heupel has since he's been here, not just not just this past year. I mean, they had guys open in year one down there when they were so one-handed, if you will, going into that game. But I, I think they, they've got some things that work against that defense. They obviously in the Kentucky game for three years now have just big played Kentucky to death, right? And so – Probably some of the structures, some of that stuff has also helped Milton get going because they've got something that works against those defenses. Maybe that's a part of it too, but I, I'm with Rob. you got to give all the credit to Joe Milton. I think the, um, again, design runs, getting him going on the run game, I think that's helped. I think the offensive line getting healthier to an extent and, and getting your center back and getting him, you know, two games in, three games in, four games in. I mean, he's, he's about to get to midseason form here as Cooper Mays. I think that's helped. I think Squirrel White's been his best friend. I mean, Romel Keaton's been up and down. Dante Thornton is starting to come up, which is great to see. Brew McCoy's out, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Squirrel White's been good. Squirrel he White's has. been good. Yeah. He has. But, I mean, listen, I mean, Squirrel White wasn't bad at the beginning of the year. The problem is he had to climb the ladder to catch the ball, or he had to slide to catch the ball, or he had to reach behind him to catch the ball. I mean, Joe, Joe wasn't getting just – it wasn't jailbreak city on the offensive front. I mean, Joe was a lot of Joe self-inflicted wounds with inaccuracies. And for the last three weeks, he's been more accurate and they've thrown the ball further down the field. Um, And and I think the receivers are on a better page with him. So I give them credit, but fundamentally Joe's been significantly different the last three weeks than he was the first part of this year. And that's something Joey Halsley said to me before on the vault network interview, before the, um, the game they just played Connecticut. He said, Hey, it's, just changing minor things in his mechanics, and you're seeing the fruits of that labor. Going in on that note, Hypel's Hype Man's got a couple, but the second question, how many design quarterback runs do you think Tennessee will call for Milton this week? He seems to play better when he runs the football early and gets hit. That was a question we had in the Monday Night Chat, uh, Rob, but I think the number somebody threw out there was 7.5. I would say under that number in terms of designed quarterback runs, but I bet Joe Milton will run the football you know, 8, 11, 11 times in this football game. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't see you know eight called runs, but I, I mean I, I don't have a lot to add, Eric. I mean I, I think he's going to run it 10, 10, 12 times, you know, which has pretty much been the case. You know, I guess Kentucky, Alabama played just played a half against UConn. I, the bottom, he's just been a more willing runner. I mean, he's just it's just been completely apparent. I guess you know really start with Alabama, but I go, go back to Texas A&M as well kind of starting there, but it's just – and it's dramatically changed the offense. If Missouri's defense plays a quarterback run like they did against LSU, he might have <laughs> yeah. Right, AP? I mean, Jaden Daniels did whatever he wanted to do running the football. Now that, I mean, I mean every just, time uh, I – he's that, that was an afternoon game, and every time I flipped it over there, I thought it was Sports Center, But, no, it was just <laughs> Jaden It was Jaden Daniel on third and seven. You know, just going crazy. Um, if McCoy and Thornton do end up leaving this year, which I don't think that Thornton's going to leave Austin, but if they do end up leaving this year, who do you think the whole wide receivers are going to be next year aside from Squirrel White? Essentially, what do you what do you see right now that receiver group? Of course, we don't know about Brew McCoy yet. What do you think those receivers look like in twenty twenty four? Well, I mean, I don't think Thornton's going anywhere, so I think that, that talking about that just seems silly to me. Um, uh, I think Brew's a coin flip to return. Um, you know, the, the two sophomores, uh, obviously going to add, you know, Staley and, and Mike Matthews. And then we'll see what happens, you know, whether they add from the portal, 
but they had another high school kid. Um, you know, I, they just got to get more bodies in that room. They need to see Nathan Leacock continue to progress and, and actually be someone they can count on next year. Um, all that stuff matters. They just need more bodies in that room. Right now they're kind of <clears throat> making it happen with smoke and mirrors from a standpoint of depth. Um, you know, but, but three games to go, it looks like they'll be fine to, to get through the season. And then, you know, does Dante Thornton make a huge step next year now that he's predominantly outside? Like, you know, all of a sudden does he slip over to where Ramel Keaton is if Brew comes back? Um, and we'll see about that. But, I mean, you know, Jalen Hyatt was just okay Heupel's first year here. And then it clicked and he, you know, took off. You know, I'm not saying he's going to go win the Blitnikoff Award. I'm just saying, like, how much more confident does he feel in a second year in the system and playing outside where he clearly is more comfortable? Yeah, or does he get does he get more comfortable playing inside, having a better feel for the offense if he could stay healthy and go through a spring practice at a fall camp, which he couldn't do? I, I don't know that. I think he's an outside guy ultimately. Um, but I, I look at them and you know who's going to be the slot guy besides Squirrel White. That's the one question mark I have about this team at the receiver position. Chaz Nimrod could slide in there and play some, I think, in the slot. But who is their slot guy other than Squirrel White? I know Mike Matthews long term is going to be a slot, right? AP. That's what well, I was going to say. I think he yeah. starts out in, at outside, right? Because it's so much harder to learn the inside than the outside. Yeah. So who is the other inside guy behind Squirrel White for next year? And, and a quick note on Thornton: I don't think he's going anywhere. And part of this is one: he's already used his transfer. Two: he's not going to be able to be a grad transfer. So if he went somewhere, he'd have to go down. And I don't think he's got any any interest in doing that. So I think he's going to be back on Tennessee's roster next spring. Volunteer for Live says, if I remember correctly, Willie Martinez's contract was not extended last year. That is correct. Was he the only assistant coach not extended? And do you believe there might be a coaching change or two for the next season? And if so, who do you think those might be? Uh, Brent, Willie Martinez, a couple of those guys got extensions. Maybe all of them. I know three or four for sure got extensions and raises. Martinez got a raise, did not get an extension. This is his last season under contract. Everybody's on a multi-year deal at Tennessee except for Willie Martinez. Um, now, what does that mean? We'll find out at season's end and, and kind of where that goes from there. Um, but everybody else is on a multi-year deal. And in terms of somebody, you know, staff changes, I think we talked about this maybe in the last mailbag podcast or maybe we had this question on the Rewind Sunday night. I don't see anybody in the offensive staff going anywhere. Um you know, defensively, if somebody had an opportunity they felt like was too good to pass up, maybe Jerry Mack, if he had an opportunity he felt was too good for him to pass up. Th th these guys are well compensated. I don't think this is a bad work environment in any way, shape, or form. Um, and so I don't think there's guys looking to get out of town as fast as they can to take the first thing out of town. Alex Golish wasn't unhappy here, AP. He was just hell-bent on being a head football coach. And he was going to take a head job wherever he could get a head job. Um, and, and, and kudos for him. He was ready to be a head coach. And, you know, he was taking that not because he was unhappy, but he was ready for the next step. I'm not sure there's anybody that has that same sense of urgency on this staff right now. Not that they're complacent or just resting around, but I'm not sure anybody's jumping on the first thing coming coming through town for him. Yeah, they're all in. They're all going to <laughs> um, no, uh, You know, I, I mean, defensively, I mean, you know, does Tim Banks get a look? You know, and, and I don't think he's going to rush to go take just anything. Um, 
you know, BJ, I think, again, you bring up well compensated, you know, his, you know, his kids are at the current stage in life where I'm not sure he's just looking to, you know, bolt out of here. He's him and his family are really comfortable here. Um, you know, Rodney's not going anywhere. He's loving the fact his daughters are at UT and he gets to be around them every day. Got one that works in football. The other two are on the rowing team. Um, Eckler's not going anywhere. I mean, to me, it would be Jerry Mack. You know, and then what happens with Willie, you know, I mean, just because, you know, he is at the end of a deal. Um, you know, and I mean, I think, you know, secondary holding up, you know, Saturday definitely helps Willie's cause, you know, um, you know, to be, to be back next year. Because on the whole, the secondary's played pretty well um, when they haven't been playing zone and Tennessee's not got a pass rush like a Kentucky. Volunteer at 87 says, are they going to ever release the 2024 football schedules at some point? Brent, I ask it. I asked about that a couple weeks ago and I was told, you know, essentially after the regular season, November, December, late November, December at some point. Any oh, anything made, different? It's a made for T V event. Whenever yeah. the whenever the SEC network's ready for uh for they need you know, they don't have a basketball window. Maybe they do it in, in and around the conference championship game weekend. I mean, I think it's done. Um, you know, when probably some people who know what it is at this point or have a good idea of what it's going to be, but they're going to do that as a made for TV event, um, which is what a lot of these things, uh, you know, are and have become. So uh, we'll know it the next month. I think. I tell you what is going to be an underrated. I don't think a lot of people are talking about fantastic aspect of the new deal are going to be the announced TV times ahead of the year. How, how many, it's not, I mean, it's not a hundred percent. How many are there? I bet you know the details. I think that I think there'll be about half of about half of the conference schedule start times will be announced before the season starts. Um, it's a little bit. It's a little bit like the a little bit like what the NFL does with some flex scheduling, where they can flex the back half of the year um, for like the Sunday night game. There'll be a little bit of a flex scheduling deal for the back half of the season. Some will be locked in because it's a game they're going to want, but they can flex some of that stuff. But you're going to have a real, um, you're going to have a real idea of whether you're going to play at night or whether you're going to play in the afternoon, uh, because the window movement's going to be very subtle. It's not going to be like, hey, you might play at noon or you might play at nine p.m. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, you, they so can, you can only get, you can only get if you have a kickoff time, you can only get moved one slot. And you, like yeah. if you're if you're kicking off at noon, they can't move you to 7.30. You could, you could go to 3.30, but you couldn't go to 7.00 or, you know, or vice versa. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's it's going to be better than what we had this past weekend where we were sitting around on Sunday waiting to figure out what your travel plans were going to be six days from now because you're waiting on CBS to make a decision. So it'll get better. from that now, now it's going to be a bunch more night games, okay, which everybody's going to like early in the year for the light shows and the warm weather, and then some people aren't going to like those night games, including head coaches. You know, in the back half of the year when, you know, there's a lot more night because you don't have that 3.30 window to, to play in. So there's going to be some more night games, I think, than we've ever seen in the SEC. Rob, it's kind of like, you know, when you take Hubs to play golf and he goes birdie, birdie, birdie on, <laughs> on the first two holes. And, and I'm then like, woke up. Or first, first three holes. And then I go, hey, Hubs, you got to move back a couple of tees, man. You're playing too far up. And he's like, well, no, I can only move back one tee. One slot. One slot. Exactly right. It's a it's a decision to me on the hybrid. I, I'm playing a hybrid of the women's tees and the senior tees, or the forward tees. Excuse me, you can't call them women's tees. The forward tees and the senior tees. That's my hybrid on the golf course. 
Come on, Hubs. It's 2023, man. You're better than this. We got plenty more in the mailbag questions. The mailbag uh, will be emptied here as we continue on. But first, a quick word from our buddy Mark Packer and Exterior Home Solutions. <laughs> it's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids. Hey, Dad, a tree fell on my house. Well, we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here. And the first call that I made was to Exterior Home Solutions. The peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here and came up with a plan, got us connected with the right people, is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use. In that time of need, Exterior Home Solutions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Roofing, siding, windows, a garage. Contact Exterior Home Solutions today. Again, 865-524-5888. Or call Mark Packer directly. His number is 865-805. Was Packer wearing corduroys in that? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen since Patty the Bear, the Patty the Bear movie. Would not shock me if he was wearing corduroys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, By the way, everybody... If anybody I'm expecting, else out the other combination of his last four numbers, feel free to give him a call. I'm expecting a commercial for the Paddington Bear Corduroy Collection. On, on and and, and be sure to shoot him a text Friday night during the football football game because he will text you back. I can yes, promise you that. <laughs> All right, let's have some fun here. This is from Sloppy Vol. He says, I know things can change. I know you know during bowl prep and all that, things can change. But right now, AP, some over-unders. You ready? Yes. All right, the number's one and a, one and a half, 1.5 okay. uh, for commits to Tennessee of these prospects. Okay. Daniel Hill, Cam Michael, Michael Smith, Jordan Seaton, Elias Williams, and Kai Bates. I want to go over. Over? Ooh. I think they can get the two out of, what, six, six or seven kids? Yeah. You want to call your shots or you just want to leave it at over? No, I'll just leave it at over. How many okay. of those are flips? I know, Bates, Williams. Bates, Bates would be a flip. Williams would be a flip. Smith would be a flip. Yeah. Yeah. So three out of the – okay. Uh, uh, Williams will be tough. I mean, he, he's the guy – he's the bell cow. They they love that kid. Over is. under offensive linemen returning for 2024. One and a half of Mays, Spragans, Campbell, Mincy. I'm going to go over too. Woo! Man, you're you're setting this up to be a really great off season and and forward momentum to 2024. I mean, I think a lot of it just depends. I mean, any of the returners depend on their grade, you know, yeah. and and then what you know what said player wants in an NIL deal. Like, I mean, you know, and and how much Tennessee covets to get them back. I mean, like, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where I mean, you know, it, it's never just black and white. You know, there's a lot of factors there, but I mean. I look at it and I think, you know, out of those four, I think it's kind of like, I think you go back to the recruiting one. I think you're definitely getting one of those. And I think there's about three other options there that are at least 50% to get a second. So it's easy to go over there. With the you player, open I think the you're door. definitely getting one of those returners. And there's a couple, I think, that are going to be coin flips. And so it's just easier to go over right now than under because I think that, you know, grades haven't come in for, for the draft. 
Yeah, with that one specifically, I mean, you open the door for all those guys, but I mean, you go into next season with Nico, and then you have Cooper at center or Spragans at guard. Goodness gracious, you're feeling good. And then lastly, over under a half, 0.5 on D lineman returning in 2024. Omar oh, Norman Lott, oh, Amari Thomas. Oh, just out of those two? Yeah. So essentially, is one of the two going to return? I say yes. All right. So AP is. I feel less confident about that last question than I do the other ones. Vol fans need to get there and buy some mattresses. Because a couple weeks ago, you would feel more confident about D line than O line, in my opinion, right? Well, yeah. The the guys that could potentially leave, though, those two are the ones I think are more up in the air. Like, I think Bryson Easton's back. I think Elijah Simmons is back. Um, You know, I. I've always thought Tyler Barron was out of here. I think he, he's played well enough. He's going to go. Those two are the ones that are kind of coin flips for me. And so you just, you know, I think Big O will be back. And I think it's a total coin flip on Omar Norman Lott. Well done, AP. Good job. Pat's on the back. Sam Smith, 22-33. How does Tennessee try and better stop it? The better thing would be to revisit my predictions in, in at the end of December or early oh, January. Oh, trust me, the GQ will. They'll yeah, get rid of them. and we'll see how I did, right? I mean, like, there's a bat. Particularly wrong, the GQ will revisit your your picks. If Speaking you got them right, it won't revisit very much. No, no, no one will say if I got them right. You're yeah, right. but there's a, there's a few hundred people with their red flags waiting to start their own progressive commercial for, with AP. On that note, Belton Vall says, "Hey, Colin Coward does a segment weekly where he labels Colin was right, Colin was wrong at this point in the season." Where were you the most right, and where were you the most wrong? We can go around the room here. Brent, where were you the most right about what this team would be, and where were you the most wrong? Uh, I think step forward on defense. Um, I, you know, better in the defensive front. Didn't think James Pierce necessarily was going to do that, but I thought they were bringing so much experience back that they would be better in the defensive front. I think I said that in the preseason, so I, I feel pretty good about that one. Uh, where was I wrong? I thought Dante Thornton would have an impact on this team, a bigger impact on this team in the passing game than what he's had. Um, so, I, you know, I was – those would be my two. There's others, but those would be the two that jump out. Yeah, for right. me, I was 1 million percent right on they were going to take a little bit of a step back on offense, bigger step forward on defense. I was 2 million percent wrong on Dante Thornton. I was – I wouldn't say – I thought that Gabe Judy Lally would, by game two or three, would be – a starter, a locked-in starter, and he has been. So, I was right about. I thought Tennessee would have one of the best, deepest, and versatile run games and rooms in the SEC. Spot on. Um, I was also to continue on with the theme. I was wrong about Dante Thornton to this point. We'll see if it can change. Rob Lewis, uh, I was right on not pushing the the panic button on the offensive line as hard as some people. I mean, I didn't. I did not think Tennessee was going to be leading the SEC in rushing at all. I'm not saying that. I, I just didn't think it was going to be a sieve like a lot of people did. And a- AP needs to give himself a little pat on the back because I don't remember – AP's the first person I remember on the, the Jalen Wright train of, of it, not just us, I mean anybody. Like yeah, going I mean, back into the summer. I'll, I'll, the, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. And, and, and to, oh, will you? add to the Jalen Wright deal, Eric, let's make sure you point out you were you were wrong that he wasn't going to average near double-digit yards per carry. <laughs> Now, I don't think you predicted that one out. Well, for the third time you brought that up in a public setting this week, um, he's at 7.1 on the year. He's not at double digits, so technically I'm correct if we're being technical about it. He's as close to 10 as he is to 5. He's having a hell of a year, that's for sure. And 
again, I think if he got more volume, that average would obviously go down. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of – you want to see him run the ball. Would it? Would it? He's also stayed healthy know. for the first time. Yes. You're, you're right, Rob. He has stayed healthy for he's the most part. He's healthy for I mean, the first yeah. time since he's been here. So, I mean, I, I think mean, the work, would, workload might have a, something to do with it. He would be a 1,000-yard rusher, I think, if he had, got dinged up and missed, what, the, the whole three game, quarters basically. of the, the whole game early in the year, and then he missed the second half, basically, or much of the second half against Connecticut or K- Kentucky. He'd be close to a thousand yard rusher at this point. It's already it's over eight hundred yards, so you would think okay. that I predicted in the Monday or the Tuesday night chat that he was going to run for one seventy seven this week. That would get him over a thousand for the year. He needs one hundred and seventy four. So let's get it done this week. Hey, Eric, whenever he whenever AP brings up the whole ten yards thing, which obviously he's hanging his hat on, just you should fire back with. Hey, I'm looking at the tackle chart, and I don't see Arian Carter leading the league, leading the Ooh. team. In You're a thousand, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That was also a, they were asking us for a bold take. Let's go back and revisit that question. What's a bold take? Is Arian Carter going to play this week, AP? No. Is he going to play next week? No. All right. We'll revisit this in Vanderbilt week. Let's go to Sam Smith. We were just talking about Jalen Wright and Tennessee's run game, but what Missouri does well is the outside run. Rob, how's uh, how's Tennessee going to stop that outside zone from Missouri and Cody Schrader, who Schrader, kind of the opposite. Jalen Wright might be the best running back in the SEC, but his volume is way down. They give it to Schrader all the time. I mean, the other guy, they're Cody Pete or whatever, is like less than half the amount of carries of Cody Schrader. I mean, I, you know, textbook answer, you got to set the edge. I mean, Tennessee's leading the SEC in run defense. I mean, it's not like they're going to have to do something out of character to keep Missouri in check um, this week. Now, you know, um, Missouri, I haven't watched Missouri all year long, but yeah, they had some success last week against Georgia, you know, getting around the corner, you know, get winning on the edge. But I mean, I just fall back on, you know, Tennessee's giving up 97 yards a game. I mean, it's, it's, Second week in November, that those numbers are not a fluke any, anymore. When you played this many games, when you played this many SEC games, so uh, to me, the, the the challenge is on Missouri. How's Missouri going to run the ball in Tennessee? Instead of seeing for a rock fight Friday night at the Cole Center, what's uh, who from the Fighting yes. Badgers will <laughs> present Tennessee the biggest challenge? Man, I mean, Wisconsin is. I mean, they don't they don't have any superstars. Um, I, I, I just. I, I am going to be really interested to see Tennessee's offense. You know how how they're how are are they going to you know look with against what the, the kind of defense that they're going to see um, from Wisconsin? It's you know obviously going to be a lot different than what they saw uh, against Tennessee Tech, and you know on the road. This is I mean this is a really weird tough game to be played in game number two um you know don't you think game that's why michigan state scrimmage is so big for them in my opinion yeah i don't i don't disagree with that that's what they lost on opening night i'm just kidding (laughs) come on don't be a hater (laughs) i mean they they were 20 and 15 last year um they bring back a lot of guys um i think they bring back four or five starters um from that squad they're they're, they're veteran you know they've got a system in place um, I'm going to be fascinated, Rob, to see how Tennessee's big men play. Because, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, they were on the road at Michigan State, an environment that's great. They also got 12 fouls or whatever. I mean, they could just foul. It was they could foul at will well, and not get in trouble. So, how do they play 
in this type of defensive game against Wisconsin's post players. I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. And Wisconsin's got two starters back in the post um, from, from last year's team. Um, you know, they're not spectacular athletes, but, I mean, they're veterans um, have, have been around. You know, can, can Jonas Adu play physical like like he's going to – we know Tobey can when, he, when he's in the game. You know, can, can Jonas be a physical presence in there? And can Tennessee get away with playing small? That, that's kind of – what I want to see a lot of nights when, when they play against, you know, power, power six competition. I mean, can they get away and, and make people, you know, can they win their share of battles with Josiah at the four? Can they get people enough problems to where Rick doesn't have to, you know, not play that way and play with two bigs. And I, th- I think Wisconsin will be, that's, that's probably one of the things I'll be looking at the closest. Can Tennessee play small and get away with it against the, you know, traditionally sized team like they're going to see with Wisconsin in that front court. And can Tennessee's bigs play physical, Eric, without fouling? You know, early in this game will be something to watch as well. Volume Shooter, one of my favorite handles on this website. we got a couple more. We'll start with Volume Shooter. Most important players, excluding Joe Milton on offense and defense, for the Vols to beat the Tigers this weekend. AP, not Joe Milton. Who's who's your guy on offense, your guy on defense? Oh, offensively, I mean – I'm going to go Squirrel White because I think his ability to, to, you know, stretch the field, I think, helps the running game um, immensely. And, and it's, to me, helped unlock the offense a little bit this year as the yards per attempt uh, has grown. Um, defensively, I'm going to go Aaron Beasley. You know, I, I think they'll get the ball out of Connor or uh, the, out of Cook's hands, Brady Cook's hands. I'll call him Connor Cook on the line. Uh, I'm doing the same thing. All the um, Stallions. Just saying. Yeah. Um, out of Brady Cook's hands really fast, which means I think, you know, you, you know, you, you've got to, you know, bring the house a little bit, um, in, in some kind of design stuff. And, and I think, you know, his ability to make plays, uh, as a blitzer, I think will, uh, will kind of be a very big key in the game. So I'll go Aaron Beasley defensively. I'm going to go McCollin Castles, um, and where he's at with the tight end position because of what they ask him to do. I think you're seeing more, you know, kind of more and more out of him a little bit. And I think he could be a factor in this game. And then defensively, I'm going to Marion McDonald because if I'm Missouri, I'm trying to get uh, Brown or, or Burden in the slot and they move Burden around all over the place in the slot against Marion McDonald. Can Marion McDonald play coverage against uh, the speed and, and the athletic ability of Burden? And in that outside zone read, Tamari McDonald's got to come up and, and make some tackles. He's got to set the edge, come up, make some tackles. He's going to be a huge part of the defensive game plan for Tennessee. So defensively, I'm with you, Tamari McDonald. Offensively, I'm with AP. Give me Squirrel White. Rob? I mean, after what we saw from in September, give me Cooper Mays, you know, offensively. I mean, I, I don't know that we'll be able to tell it with a naked eye, but I mean, he's got to have a good game for – for the ground game to click like it's going to need to. And defensively, I'm just not I'm not going to pick more guy. Just a pass rush. I mean, Missouri's been one of the best teams in, in the league protecting the quarterback. They've just given up 16 sacks in, in nine games. Tennessee has not been getting home the last couple of weeks like they did, you know, all for, for the first almost two months of the season. So give me a pass rush. It's going to be a zoo, Rob. Definitely need your starting center because you're going to the zoo. Last one. Ball from afar. Would a win in Como be the best program win since Alabama last year? It's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, right. I know give technically the Yeah, give me Clemson in the bowl game. Or I mean, or I would tell you Texas A and M. I mean, just off pure talent. Yeah. 
the win at LSU was pretty big as well. I know that was technically well, that wasn't before, since Missouri. Before Alabama, yeah, that wasn't since Missouri. Uh, I'll just look at it the last two years. I bet the rules to me, Mizzou and UT are incredibly similar. Can Jalen Wright rush for 150? AP says 177. Mark it down. And uh, will this be his signature game for NFL scouts? I think if Tennessee has a lead in the second half, this is something that Brent said on the Rocky Top Roundtable. This would be a great game just to ride Jalen Wright in the second half, and you could see those yardage to kind of go up a little bit. Well, I mean, I don't think he's going for 177. I think Tennessee's got to run for over 150 uh, combined as, as a group. Um, and, and, you know, to win this game, they have to be really good on the ground as they've been the last two years. I can't imagine Missouri's going to give up the, the type of yards they have the last two games, but you know, or the last two matchups that they've had with Tennessee. But um, Tennessee's got to run it. They've got to run it effectively. They're going to rotate their running backs. I think tempo is important. I think you're seeing tempo. I thought tempo had an effect against Kentucky. Can Tennessee play with that kind of tempo on the road, particularly in a place that's not generally really hostile, so you can communicate and go? That was a point of emphasis going into the Kentucky game, and I think that was a key in the fourth quarter to Dylan Sampson's success was not just Sampson's great play, but Kentucky was winded. I think Tennessee's got to tax and stretch Missouri uh, as much as they can. You look at Missouri um, and their defensive stats – they don't play 15 defensive defensive linemen or 12, you know, 13 defensive linemen. Their rotation's a little smaller. Their rotation at linebackers not very heavy. They don't play as many bodies on defense um, in their front seven as some other teams do. So can Tennessee kind of wear Missouri out in this game with their tempo and run game? I think it's going to be something to watch in the second half. You keep hating. You keep hating, Hubbard. This is my DeAndre Johnson moment. Okay. That's, you pulled that one. Listen, listen. Okay, look. You're you're, you're saying Jalen Wright is your DeAndre John. I mean, Jalen Wright leads the. I mean, the guy's like got almost a thousand yards. I yeah, but predicting one seventy seven. Come on, I'm not predicting to go for one ten. Well, but here's the thing: he could go for one seventy seven if he's going to get more than twelve carries. I mean, is he going to is he going to get 15, 18 carries in a game? For the first time this season. And, and also, I think those might have been DeAndre Johnson's first three sacks of his career before. Nobody even knew DeAndre way. Johnson was on that team heading into the South Carolina game. <laughs> and nobody still does. <laughs> does he still got eligibility like Carlin Fields Ames? <laughs> now, AP, what's the, connect- AP, what's the correct pronunciation? Yeah, AP, let's hear it. I walked by that Letterman's Wall the other day, and the, I just looked up, and the name it stood out to me, and I literally said it to myself. I mean, Carlin feels Ames. I mean. <laughs> and I laughed out loud. I mean, he's still playing college football somewhere. I don't know how, but he's, you know, he's apparently still on a team somewhere. I saw that on the GQ. Never forget the end around on fourth and two. They tried to run with him and it got stuffed. I forgot what game that was, but uh, all name team for sure. Uh, Exterior Home Solutions, an all-star team that can be there for you as well for home renovations, uh, upgrades, all that and more. A free estimate. Give them a call today at 865-524-5888. Roofing, siding, windows, or garage. Contact Exterior Home Solutions today. Uh, Appreciate you guys sending in questions for the Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane, Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price with the Christmas tree. Tennessee at Missouri just days away. we got all the pregame coverage, all the preview coverage right here at VolQuest.com. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Madness is here. 
Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York. 